Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. The fourth candle of Advent symbolizes peace, reflecting on when the angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace, Luke 2.14. This week, we are reminded that Jesus came to bring peace to our hearts and to our world. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. This week, we focus our hearts on the Prince of Peace who came down from heaven in the form of a baby. God knows that we are in a constant battle against fear. Fear wants to cripple us, to push us to react rather than carefully respond, and fear steals our joy. God has given us the gift of peace so that we can live joy-filled lives. As we light the fourth Advent candle, May you be filled with a peace that surpasses your circumstances. We can give thanks to the Lord for canceling out fear and hopelessness. Let's rejoice this Christmas because we have an eternal hope in Jesus. Would you pray that God's unexplainable peace would be evident in your home and heart? This year, we all have faced so much chaos and uncertainty. God's peace is something we need to grab tightly onto more than ever. May God's Spirit transform the days leading up to Christmas into a time of joyfully awaiting our King. Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. We're here in our Christmas week. I love, love, love this time of year, and I like to think that I'm fully committed to all things Christmas at the moment. Uh, The movies, the music, the decorations, the gifts, and and though this is going to be the most different and and for many difficult Christmas that we have ever experienced, um, I will say that I think I got a little bit of that Holy Spirit Christmas cheer pep in my step as this past week progressed. So, uh, I hope that you are gearing up as well to find unique ways to celebrate the season while loving on our neighbors. Now, today, today marks the final Sunday of Advent and it brings us, as we heard in the lighting of the fourth candle, to the theme of peace. And I was thinking and and praying upon this theme in preparation for, for this Sunday and I began asking Uh, myself some questions. In in particular, I was wondering where I, in my North American middle-class reality, actually quantify peace. And honestly, I was left a little jarred at the realization of my my own privilege to be living where we get to call home. See, peace for me has often been uh, interpersonal and internal. And in many ways, I've lost the the gravitas of the word, uh, of the idea in particular. And in reality, I think 2020 has impacted the interpersonal and internal aspects of our life. And and they have undergone an immense loss of peace. Our our mental health, um, isolation from relationships, ability to to really carry forward plans and dreams, that feeling of loss and disappointment that we've talked about this fall. And how all of these, they undermine any sense of peace. But... So much more has happened as well. Let's not forget the outside repercussions of the lockdown beyond simply the personal ones that we see on a day-to-day basis. And remember why we are here in the first place. Millions upon millions of people have been gotten sick, many dying. 
and the societal impact of this pandemic with, with a dramatically impacted local and global economy has, has hurt family systems all across the world. People everywhere losing their jobs and, and a rising civil unrest. All of these pieces put together made 2020 possibly the closest thing that many of us will ever know to the experience of war. And war is interesting because it's likely the context most relevant to the idea of peace. You think of war and peace as a famous book according to that name, but not, not really for us. It's not discussed because it hasn't been our experiences. It hasn't been mine, at least. But when we realize that connection it, it, it is there and it's so clear, well, then 2020 reveals to us that when peace is not present, chaos has taken hold. And chaos most definitely is there. And therefore, now more than ever, we need peace. And perhaps that feels extremely far off, but what if peace isn't just that endpoint of war? What if peace isn't just my, my mind at rest? What if peace isn't just me getting along with my wife? In the Bible, I think peace is more than what we think, but it's exactly what we need. So we're going to read together this morning from Isaiah chapter 9 as we consider this idea of peace this Christmas Sunday. Let's read together. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living on the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the garment will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his garment and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you to the Caleb family, Dennis, Sharon, and Eden. Eden, you are a great reader. Fantastic job. Uh, we appreciate you. Now, every family in this church, outside this church, has different Christmas traditions. This has been more evident than ever uh, for Adriana and I as we are at our first Merry Christmas. I know, congratulations, it's wonderful. Uh, we got a taste of it last year, but things were busy enough with the wedding that it was all a blur, and now we are starting to think about traditions um, and family and how we process through it all. And if different Christmas traditions are one thing, different favorite parts of Christmas is a whole other bag of worms. 
I'd be really interested to know where you sit on the scale of Christmas favorites. A favorite part of Christmas for myself growing up, other than Jesus, don't worry, Jesus was pretty high on the list, um, was that the time we got to open gifts that mom and dad had stowed away every year. Not, not even just the gifts themselves, but the time to open them every year when they're under the tree. The anticipation, the excitement of being able to, to look forward to being able to use it all Christmas Day. And let's be honest, we, we do it right and we open presents on Christmas Eve night. And I know some of you might feel different and all of us are allowed to have a say, but also everyone's allowed to have uh, a different opinion and sometimes wrong opinions. But Christmas Eve is what we do. And I love it because we get the anticipation of Christmas Eve and then we get to anticipate, enjoy it on Christmas Day, opening them together, those gifts that, that I got to unwrap in that moment and, and was mine to use to my full delight after. I loved that feeling. I still do in many ways. And my parents always gave the most useful and, and often, let's be honest, the most expensive gifts, and I'm forever grateful, but I also remember the ridiculous and hilarious gifts that Jessica and I would give to each other growing up. That we would take so much care in the process of, of wrapping it and preparing it. Uh, for myself, I love wrapping, and, and one year in particular, I put together a plan of one small gift for, for Jessica in a really big box. And I thought I was hilarious as she unwraps layer after layer after layer. But it was always the long game because the next year, this is what I was doing. I purchased this enormous teddy bear and put it under the tree for Jessica. And she wasn't really sure if she could trust it. Trust me, this thing was big. So big that we literally named this, this teddy bear or maybe more accurately called a, like a teddy dog. Uh, we literally called him Big Boy. <laughs> Jessica, she, she trolled me one Christmas and printed a shirt with an embarrassing photo on it. And the photo of my response when seeing that shirt will probably end up on a future shirt. Uh, I, I know everyone has a story of some sort of a moment like that where you receive something that you needed or you didn't expect and, and your reaction is this genuine excitement, this genuine joy, this genuine laughter. But it's, it's amazing how time passes and you can lose the wonder. You can lose the expectation. You can lose the excitement of, of Christmas. But can I remind you this, this morning that the reason that we are excited on Christmas is not just the giant teddy dogs and, and fancy gadgets or sports jerseys. We ought to be excited on Christmas because the King has come. And when the King arrives, he always arrives with gifts. You may be 68 six, sitting by your six-year-old granddaughter or grandson, but I'd like to announce today that I think that you should have just the same wide-eyed wonder as them. In, in, in fact, I could argue that you and I should have more wonder, more expectation of good than, than our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews because we understand that the king has come. And here's the thing. He has laid out some big gifts for you and I. 
If you think that we're good at wrapping gifts, wait till you see what he's got in store. These are some of the things that we get to reflect on during Advent. These gifts of never-ending joy, of unconditional love, of this bountiful source of hope. And we need those things. But I do find it fascinating how often and how specifically the idea of peace is connected with the arrival, life, and purpose of Jesus. Jesus came to make us righteous, to bring us into right relationship with God. And when you are in right relationship with someone, what does that give you? Position, privilege, power. And and from that right relationship, we are given joy and peace. In Romans 14, 17, Paul writes to the Romans and he reminds them that the king has a domain. That the king has a kingdom. That don't be fooled by the little baby Jesus and and a feeding trough. Remember that he is the one spoken of long ago, a Messiah coming to save his people. A king coming to establish a new kingdom. Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, right relationship, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The, the, The king has come. And this is what Christmas is all about, remembering the greatest gift that we have ever been given in Jesus. And just like any good episode of Price is Right, that's not all. Because with Jesus comes a bounty of gifts for us to embrace each and every day. Now, if you've been following along with us every week, uh, you'll likely have noticed that these weeks of Advent, we're reflecting on these themes of, of hope, love, joy, and now peace, have a similar narrative to it. That we've tied it into this idea of Emmanuel, of God with us. Joy that is beyond our circumstances. Hope that is beyond our understanding. Gifts that we need, but that we can't just think or learn ourselves into. Sure, sure there are things that we can do, but the invitation of the Bible, the invitation of Jesus, is not to find our strength, our hope, or our joy in our good practices, but to find them in a good God. To start there to make him our source, and to allow that truth of God with us to be present in our life. Because Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our joy, and Jesus is our peace. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm all in on Christmas right now. If you're like me, you love the Christmas classics that come on television every December, or maybe you're watching them on Netflix, or wherever you're you're streaming from. Uh, One of my favorite Christmas shows is Charles Schultz's Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Anthony Bourgogne, he referenced it at the very beginning of his devotional this week. Uh, The pivotal point of the cartoon is when Charlie Brown shouts out, does anyone know about what Christmas is all about? And And then Linus, carrying his ever-trusted blanket, then begins a monologue describing Christmas. And he quotes Luke chapter 2, 8 to 14. And as Linus reads from Luke's gospel, we are left with the sense of peace as the angels proclaim, like the Ravensburgans read for us this morning. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men.
The Bible marks the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, with also the arrival of peace. And Isaiah describes the Messiah, what we read this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, as the Prince of Peace. To remix the words of Dennis Green, a coach of the Arizona Cardinals back in the day, he is who he says he is, the Prince of Peace. Peace is who he is, and it is what comes when we have Jesus at the center of our lives. And this leads me to the realization that where knowledge stops, his peace does not. And sometimes, with all the knowledge in the world, you can't find peace. In fact, your anxiety grows. Because the thing is, knowledge is very rarely the answer to our anxiety, and yet we pursue it relentlessly. But Philippians 4 says that there is a peace that passes all understanding that does what? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That is what the King came to give you in this season and for the new year and beyond. He's come to give a peace that is transcendent and a peace that will guard you. What I love is that this peace seems active. This peace seems uh, aggressive. It, it's more than emotion. It's more than a state of mind. It's a person who stands at the door of your heart and at the door of your mind, wanting to fight off your battles of fear and worry and anxiety. There, there is a disparity between the peace that, the, that we seek and the idea of peace presented in the Bible. Whenever the Bible, it, it talks about the, the coming of Jesus, the idea of peace always is at the center of it. So much conflict existed for the people of Israel throughout their history. That, that, that this promise of peace that's found in a person was a source of hope. The Messiah was foretold and peace was promised. And then when Jesus arrives, the angels declare Jesus is on earth and peace is on earth. And then during Jesus' ministry, he shares peace with them. And then he leaves peace for them. Why? Because we need it. That you need it and I need it. But let's talk about the difference between our in-the-moment, feels-good kind of peace and that peace that passes all understanding. Biblical peace, it comes from this Hebrew word shalom in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the prince of peace, the prince of shalom. And, and the word can refer to the absence of conflict, but at its core... It has a meaning speaking to the idea of being made complete or whole. Now, this is easier said than done, but one of the things that I have realized early and often in, in our marriage is that simply saying to Adriana when I have uh, upset her, uh, to simply say, relax, or calm down, doesn't particularly work. Sure, my intention might be good and I want peace in the moment, but when peace is lost, it isn't so simple. Shalom, it, it speaks to this. It speaks to something that is incredibly complex with lots of different pieces, but, but yet is whole and complete. 
It's like one of those, those stone walls with all of those jagged pieces fitting together and all of the, the gaps that are full. Shalom is like a completed stone wall that has no gaps. And this is why the idea of peace is relevant when referring to our well-being because we know that life is complex. It's full of so many different moving pieces. Family, work, mental health, spiritual health, physical health, relationships, and the list can keep going on. You can add your own at home. What are the pieces that you find in your life? But whenever any of those are out of alignment, whenever a gap exists, peace or, or shalom is compromised. Our stone wall of many pieces is no longer whole. Life is no longer whole. So when I see a verse like Isaiah 26, verse 3, I, I think about this idea of perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God. Because there's trust that's presence. Because God doesn't want simply improve your life, but to make it complete, to restore, to shalom. See, this is different than how I often think of peace. Peace in the kingdom of God, peace in the way of Jesus is different. Peace in the kingdom of God is not passive. It's doing something. Paul writes of this in Romans, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Romans 69, that's a song throwback. But doesn't that just run counter to our thinking around peace? That to crush? Doesn't that feel different than peaceful? But this is the action of a holy God who wishes to restore the world to its original design, the heart of a loving God to patch the holes in our chaotic stone walls. The contradiction between the two is resolved when we realize that for Jesus, peace seems to have meant not the absence of struggle, but the presence of love. It is not avoidance, it is intentional, it is engaged, it is present, and it is acting in our lives. It's, it's, it's like a group of boys roughhousing in a house and, and things getting a little heated and they tumble into mom's favorite vase and, and peace is not hiding it away and pretending it never happened. Peace is, is not running out of the house so you don't have to deal with it. Peace, shalom, peace in the biblical way is pausing. It's gathering the pieces. It's cleaning it up and it's completely replacing or repaying its value for the loss. It's making our wrong right. And this is the peace that we are given. Peace is when God steps into his creation and sets the world right. Not just by stopping evil, but by restoring all that it has taken. It is to make complete. So no wonder that the God of peace that wishes for us to experience wholeness and completeness didn't simply wish peace upon us from heaven, but he made a decision to come and give it to us on earth. He came to give peace to us. And not just a pat on the back, but the restoration of order in the midst of the chaos of humanity. To be the same God that brought order to the chaos in the very beginning of Genesis. It is wholeness and creation. It is reconciliation and healing of broken relationships. This is shalom. In, in the Bible, whenever the word is used, whenever we see shalom take place between uh, two opposing kingdoms, 
It isn't simply the end of the battle, but it also means that they start working together toward each other's benefit. This is a different kind of peace, but it rarely happened, which is why we see Isaiah 9. We see this declaration of this Prince of Peace, this Prince of Shalom, where his peace would have no end. Peace, shalom, is the declaration of heaven, the declaration of a loving God that says, I see the chaos and the disarray of your life, the chaos and the disarray of the world, and I will do what I have always done and come bring order to your chaos, wholeness to your brokenness. Church, that's a promise for every single one of us. That the peace of God is not simply the absence of problems or the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. And that someone desires for you to be made whole. Because here's the thing. 2020 seemed to be a year absence of peace. And suddenly turning the calendar to 2021 is not going to fix any chaos in our world or in your life. This isn't a one-day piece. It's not a fairy tale, feel-good-for-a-kiss piece. It's not what I get when I get married piece. It's not when I pay my student loans off kind of piece. It's not when I get my life together piece. It's what it says in Luke chapter 1. It says the path of peace. What does that mean when I commit my life to Jesus? Well, I will continue to face the trials and tribulations. 2021 is going to have trials. We are excited to move forward, no doubt. But suddenly flipping the calendar doesn't fix it all. But to realize that every step that I take, God is with me. Every move I make, He's with me. Every season of my life, He's present. So the challenge we have this morning is... Have we simply decided to wait for peace? Have we taken a passive approach to peace? Or are we going to start walking in it? So, this morning, I want to ask you, who told you that you had to be perfect before you could experience peace? Who told you that you had to have everything in perfect order for peace to be present in your life? God's not waiting for you to be perfect. That's what Christmas is is here today. That God sent His Son, Jesus. And Jesus himself is our peace. He was the complete and whole human that we were designed to be but failed to be. But we were not left for dead. Rather, we have been given his his life as a gift. And this means that we are now called to create peace. You've been given peace, now we create peace. And true peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. Whether it's in your lives or the relationships around you or in the world, this is our 2020 reality where we live in a world so divided. Anxiety runs high, frustration runs deep, people are always bickering, it feels like. Stay off of social media, it seems like the peaceful thing to do. And peace feels more like avoidance and I'm left with the feeling that the peace that I have been fostering is not one of God. But there's a peace in Jesus that has been given to you and I. A peace that we receive as followers of Jesus is meant to be reflected in all that we do where we are a people of restoration, a people of healing. And this might make you uncomfortable. It will make me uncomfortable. But in this biblical definition of peace, of shalom, we can truly transform our lives and the lives of people around us. There is a powerful opportunity to embrace the peace of this Christmas season, City Collective. 
Bonhoeffer, he says there is no way to peace along the way to safety, for peace must be dared. Peace is itself the great venture and can never be safe. If you've been just looking for a peace that's going to feel good, we are missing the opportunity of the peace that comes from the presence of God. If the shalom of God, the peace of God, is the power of God, then our path of formation and transformation as a disciple of Jesus is not to simply remain avoidant and passive and to remain peacekeepers, but to become peacemakers. We're not simply peacekeepers, but we are peacemakers. We get to prepare the way for the return of Jesus by actively making peace around us, reconciling and and restoring to, to be peacemakers in the fullest sense is to root our witness in prayer, in joy, and a spirit of love, and to declare that peace has come to this world and it's in Jesus. To believe that we have received peace through Jesus and it is the perfect peace, the Prince of Peace that our world needs. So I'm going to end this morning with a challenge from from Henry Nguyen on this Christmas Sunday. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? These are the real questions. And I must trust that the little bit of love that I sow now will bear many fruits here in this world and the life to come. You don't know where to start. You feel overwhelmed. Look through our 12 days of kindness. Center your mornings in our Advent devotionals. Commit time to your relationship with Jesus to allow the Prince of Peace to transform you from the inside out. The Christmas story is the arrival of the Messiah, the arrival of Jesus and the invitation to each of us to accept him as the savior that he is and to commit our lives to a new way. On this Christmas Sunday, City Collective, know that you are loved, that unending joy is God's desire for you, that hope is not beyond your reach and that you can, and I'm believing this morning, will discover peace that passes all understanding. A peace found in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this Christmas. For the chaos that's all around us, we just pray that our hearts and minds would be met by the presence of peace that comes through a relationship with you. So for anyone watching this morning that doesn't, that doesn't know exactly what we're talking about with uh, the idea of a relationship, that religion just seems to be rules and regulations, I just pray right now that there's a revelation that you came to be with us. To have a relationship. And not just one that leaves us where we're at, but loves us too much to leave us there and desires to move us forward to discover the gifts that you've given. I pray over City Collective this morning that we would be a church that would discover your unending joy, your your gracious, everlasting hope, and your perfect peace, a peace that passes all understanding, one that we so desperately need to bring order to our chaos. 
Thank you that we discover peace in a person, and that person is Jesus. So may we discover that anew or for the first time this morning. Thank you that you came. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this church. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy.